Yeah, I know that Q school and final stage is coming up, but I, I've played consistently well over a span of, you know, a year. I mean, even before the summer, I was playing well uh, last winter. And I, I mean, yeah, I've had some weeks where there's some lulls, but now my lulls are one under, you know, even, you know, mm-hmm. one over to two under. I mean, yes, granted, I did shoot six over the first round of second stage, which really put me behind the eight ball and kind of, you know, was a little bit of a shocker to me, but I knew that. I had it in me. Welcome back to Any Given Monday. Q School Finals coming up. PGA Tour, five PGA Tour cards available. And for this quick preview, I talked to three of the players that are in Q School Finals. Uh, Wes Holman, great story. Has done some business stuff on the outside, chased it for a long time, started a family, quit playing, only plays like one day a week, couple days a week. Obviously, he's done more lately to get ready for Q School. Has made it all the way through pre-qualifying to final stage. But he talks a little bit about his story. Dylan Meyer. Dylan was a star at the University of Illinois. Finished 20th at the U.S. Open in his first pro start. And then finished 7th at the Sanderson Farms the next season. Felt like he was about to take off, but it's been a grind. And he talks about what he needed to change, his maturity. Uh, talks about what got him back to this point. And then Callum McNeil, one of my favorite stories, uh, was working in a pro shop when Hal Sutton was there as a member and told him he would help him get to the top of pro golf. But the only prerequisite was that he had to quit. So three great stories, quick little interviews with them and uh, look for their stories in the uh, at final stage. Without companies like Dunning, we couldn't do this. So go to Dunning Golf, check them out. Great golf clothes, awesome help to us. And uh, without further ado, here are the three players. All right, we are here with Callum McNeil. Callum, some people might know your story, but not all. How are you? Congratulations on getting to final stage. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, obviously nice to nice to get back in like uh, guarantee membership, but obviously the big week still to come. You know, five PJ Tour cards up for grabs, but obviously no starts yet. So I've kind of learned from when I got to this point a couple of years ago. Didn't play great at finals. Know that it's actually it's really important to still go ahead and have a good week. So. You know, in this game, you don't really get to celebrate the small victories very often. So it was nice to do that for, obviously, Friday night and Saturday and did some sightseeing with my wife in L.A. and got to be a tourist and kind of enjoy that 36 hours. But, um, yeah, I was equally as excited to come back and get to work and try and clean up a few things because, you know, still a lot to be done. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially the fan side of it, think like, oh, you made it to final stage, things are done. But it actually can get more expensive because if you finish down, then you just kind of feel obligated to go chase these Mondays. And it can be totally. can be like bashing your head against the wall after yeah. you play well and, and don't get into anything. Yeah, so. and I remember even talking to you about that. I kind of actually getting Corn Ferry status and getting no starts and then chasing Mondays to try and get in before the reshuffle. Last time I did that two years ago, I Mondayed in back-to-back – miss both cuts and then i'm kind of in limbo i didn't get move up in the reshuffle 
But it's like, well, I've just won the Din twice. Why don't I just keep doing it, try and get some starts, and then just keep playing well, and then keep your card, blah, blah, blah. And then I go through the whole season, and you pretty much just play Mondays, and that's a completely different type of golf. And then it's like, all right, I've got to go back to Q school now, need to find somewhere to play a four-day event, and then you go play yeah. a couple of APT events. And you're like firing at flags because you're think you're still in like, oh, well, I need to shoot seven under or go home mode. And then you miss a couple of cuts and then the confidence is gone. It's like, oh, well, I turn up to Q school. I feel like I'm not playing great. And yeah, the game was kind of gone. So I, I, and I remember talking to you and it's like, you were you were saying you might as well just go and chase PGA Mondays as opposed yeah. to conflicts is harder. And I just, I didn't know that. You know, I'd only really been playing full time for about a year and it was like, well, I've got to do the corn fairy stuff, but in reality, what I needed to do was knuckle down and and play better at finals and understand that every shot matters arguably more at final stage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as opposed to kind of getting caught up in it all and then not playing great and then struggling for the year because of it. Yeah. So for those that don't know, I wrote a story about Cal uh, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, something like that, but... Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll kind of recap it. So you're work you from Scotland, come here. Yeah. You're working at a club in uh, in Houston. Kind mm -hmm. of give us the Cliff Notes version of of how Hal Sutton, the person, the print behind you, and you're yeah. at his his hitting bay now. Like kind of how that relationship came to be. So yeah, Cliff Notes was working and caddying at Renaissance Club um, in Scotland one of the members there part owner of a club here in houston some of the pros assistants come over here work in the winter go home and work in the summer i jumped on the bandwagon started doing that um started doing the pga program won the uh section assistance finished like ninth at the national assistance won the section match play um got a little bit of help from some members at the club to allow me to go to Latin Q school, went down to Rio, got conditional. I think I got one start that year. Next year, went back um, down to Mexico, improved my conditional status, got a couple of starts. Um, then COVID hits, and I'm still working at this point as well. Hal Sutton was director of golf at Houston Oaks for a short while. Um, and I struck up a, a really cool relationship with him. Um, we got on great. And just because he's a legend of the game, every time he spoke, I was like in awe and just tried to absorb everything that he said. He ended up leaving the club and coming down and setting up his own academy here in Houston. And I hadn't seen him in like probably five or six months. And I just texted him. I was like, hey, we'd love to come down and see the academy. We'd love to come catch up with you, see what you're doing. Uh, I basically came down went through the academy it looked awesome um and he was like yeah why don't you go hit a few balls so i started hitting some balls and then he ended up giving me like a little lesson and then from there he was like i texted him that night i got home and i, I literally just text him saying how it was awesome to catch up with you thank you so much for showing me the academy and, and being so good with your time with me and he texts back and he said uh calm always my pleasure love seeing you um i really think that i can help you get to where you want to be um would love to help in any way i can and i basically was like all right um <laughs> can i come down in the morning i'll be there first thing uh so i came down had a chat with him and at the time it was chase cooper who was head of instruction here and they were like look um you know i agree with how i think you can get to 
where you want to be and we can definitely help you. And then how, when he gets really passionate about stuff, he gets really into it. And he was like, yeah, but you know, this is a full-time job. You know, you can't be doing half and half. If you're going to do this, you've got to do this. So go away and think about it because it's a big decision to make. And obviously my mind was made up instantly. I was like, yeah, I'm all in, I'm doing this. Um, but So I had to go back to the owners of the club because they'd been so good with us. I was coming back and forward for about eight years. The club helped organize the visa, etc. Um, and the owners had helped me out a little bit as well. So I had to go and essentially get their permission to stop working anymore. Um, so I did that. Uh, Mr. Watson, one of the owners at Houston Oaks, was all in. He was really on board and really happy for me. And they wanted to continue helping out. So I've been really lucky with the, the owners at the clubs at Houston Oaks have still allowed me to go out there and practice and play. And I've still got a great relationship with the members. Um, so I still, I'm lucky to have privileges out there. Um, and yeah, with Chase and Hal, they helped me kind of come up with some sort of contract. Um, it was their idea for me to do like some sort of town hall meeting um, with any sort of prospective sponsors or people that might be interested in helping me. And um, I got Hal to write me somewhat of, like a recommendation, etc., to help present. And I went to a group of members and, and one person in particular who's been really awesome with his time and really supportive sent out this email to a bunch of people and I basically turned up and pitched myself like they do on Shark Tank. Shark Tank. We call it we call it uh oh, I can't remember what the name of the show is back at home. We don't call it Shark Tank though. It's something <laughs> different. But yeah I pretty much just pitched myself to all these people and through my relationship with the members, having worked out there for so long, everyone was awesome. And I managed to raise enough to play for, I was hoping to get enough for a year and I got enough for about two and a half, which says a lot about the sort of people that were, were willing to help me. Um, and so, yeah, that was it. It was, I was off and away. And I started off doing a little bit of work with Hal and Chase. And then it was like kind of um, go off and, like learn your crafts, like go and learn how to play tournament golf, go and learn how to travel and drive in long distances and staying in hotels in the middle of nowhere and what works for you with how many holes you play in practice rounds. I, I mean, I was a total newbie. I know people talk about your age, like how old are you when you're going out and doing this? But I think there's a lot to be said about your age of actually playing competitive tournament golf. And I, that was I was one at that point, you know, as opposed to kids who are in college and they're living, eating, breathing this all the time. And it's great. And I think that's why you see so many uh, good college golfers come out and go straight into it and keep going because they've been doing that for a while, just in a team environment. Um, but a lot to be said about going away and just doing it on your own and figuring out what works for you. Um, yeah. And Hal's been awesome with me ever since. Um, always texting me, checking in. A lot of times he texts me and it's like, hey, great playing. I'm like, I can't believe you even knew that I was playing this week. I didn't tell you that. Yeah. You know, even after sec uh, first stage, he texts me. And then after second stage in Europe, he texts me. And then had a great call with him on, on Monday before second stage last week. And he was like, look, you know, I believe in you. I trust you. Go out and be you. Don't worry about anything else. Just play golf like you did when you were a kid. I assume... Kale, you know, I've been lucky enough to have some, not on the golf perspective, but because I don't play, but I got the relationships that I've been able to develop in golf. Like 
if there's ever a moment that I don't pinch myself that I talk to some of the guys and girls that I talk to, it's like crazy. I assume that's kind of how you feel like you're sitting in Hal Sutton's hitting bay right now at his academy. Like I know some of it becomes regular because you guys have a, now a longer term relationship, but there has to be points where you're like, and this is, this has been a crazy ride. Yeah. It's stupid. I mean, the guy's a, a hall of famer. He's a legend, Ryder cup winner, Ryder cup captain. I mean, it's not even, you know, I was inundated with texts after I, was official that I got through and one of the first texts I get is Hal Sutton and it's fine to sometimes I'm really lucky right and I don't take it for granted and you just kind of glance over it but sometimes I'm like Hal Sutton's text me that's so strange <laughs> you know and I, I remember Hal from like I was telling you I've got quite an addictive personality and when I was younger I had the the video the VCR of the 2002 Ryder Cup at the Belfry and I mean that's how I knew of Hal Sutton I also had the the DVD from the 04 uh, Oakland Hills Raider Cup. And I would watch those things in night, at night, in bed, every night. Yeah. I, I mean, I could have told you, like, the matchups. I could have told you the scores from uh, his game against Langer and the singles and who he played with. And, yeah, right, I sit in the bay and I see he's got, you know, the picture of the singles. I remember watching that, like, seeing that on my TV screen when I was, like, 12 years old back at home, just obsessed with golf. And now... I've got Hal sending me like advice or tips or motivational stuff. And it's, it's quite surreal. Yeah, it really is. Kel, let's it, before we got on, you kind of took me around the Bay. So quickly, maybe like some of your favorite pictures on the wall and then, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, he's, he's sitting here with the goat tiger. This yeah. one's quite cool with MJ because Again, my ignorance of, of being a Brit and not growing up with baseball, I caddied in a group with Michael Jordan at Renaissance. And like I knew he was a baseball player, but I'd only really known him from Space Jam. And obviously, you come over here and you watch The Last Dance, and it's amazing. And that's in there with Hal, and it's, yeah, it's nuts. So I remember watching this, this game a lot. We're, we're not going to talk about 99 uh, as much for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, on this wall, he's been there done it with everything meeting presidents Ryder cups presidents cups around here how he's got letters from presidents he played two walker cups at arguably two of the best venues he played at muirfield in scotland where i used to caddy which is still my all-time favorite golf course and he played at cypress point and i mean that kind of says it all and i listened to a podcast where they went in depth about hal and his amateur career which is arguably even better than his pro career yeah, you know it was before world amateur rankings, and he won everything. He won the the Western Am, he won the US Am, he won the Southern Am. He, I mean, he did everything, and it, his career is really, honestly, it, it's. I don't think it gets the recognition that it, it does deserve. Kel, uh, I say this a lot about people, but I also, this is my insight. I don't talk about the assholes in golf, so Kel is one of my favorite people in golf. Uh, he's been amazingly nice to me. Okay. Uh, he uh, he sent me a bunch of stuff for the foundation. Um, honest and always willing to answer the question. I knew when I sent him a text, it would be one of a million texts he got. And because the guy he is eventually texted me back. And 
one of my favorite people in golf, a great story. This is what this account is made for is guys like Cal. Uh, and so, you know, they say media is not supposed to pull for people. Well, it's a bunch of bullshit. So, uh, I'm definitely pulling for you, Cal. Thanks for the time. Thanks for all the help in the years that we've kind of, since I've told your story and we've stayed in touch. And so I appreciate everything you do. I'm hoping you get one of those five cards. Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) All right. Here with Dylan Meyer. I was going to say from Illinois, but you can tell by his shirt. He's uh, (laughs) from Illinois. Uh, first of all, Dylan, congratulations. Thank you. So let's kind of, let's go back to 2018 first and then, and then go to this summer, uh, 2018, you turned pro playing the U S open, finished 20th, get some PGA tour exemptions, play well. Is it harder Dylan once you, I know you had some health issues and those kind of things. You kind of lose status. Is it harder because you know how good you are? Uh, than players who kind of just work their way up? Or do you think it's an advantage because you know what you need to get back to? How do you kind of feel about that? Uh, Yeah, you know, when I first came out, you know, it seemed like um, professional golf was going to be just as college was. Go, you know, do my thing and play well. And um, I just played at a really high level early. So I kind of – for me, that's that's not a good thing. I mean, it it was great at the time, you know, playing well, doing all this. But for me – um, you know, it kind of was like the, as coach would always put it to me is that I was the lion that just ate, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just get real complacent. I just kind of sit back, kind of relax. And, and I just kind of let time pass by. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then here I was with no status, um, at the end of 2019, uh, with the corn fairy, lost my card there. And then, uh, what was it last year? Lose my, um, Canada card. Um, and then, you know, having to go to first stage of Q school this year. So over the course of time, it was one of those deals where I had mixed emotions about who I was as a person. Um, you know, is this really me? Is golf really my, you know, avenue of playing high level golf? I knew I played at a high level, but was it going to be one of those things where, yeah, I was a high level player coming out and, you know, now I just kind of faded away. And, you know, there's a lot of good golfers out there and I know I can play certainly at a high level and, I just had to dig deep down, search who I was, and I actually really had to mature a lot more than I thought I really needed to. Um, And that's been a big thing for me and, you know, settling down, learning more about myself and kind of taking a look in. And what was it, two two winters ago, I just made the decision that I was going to play and focus my time on the minor league tour down here. And I just had to learn how to get good again. and, and play at that level and own that level and dominate and, you know, keep finishing and being in the top five or being in the final group or half the mix and birdies coming down the stretch. So I did that and I put my mind to it and I, I saw that my game kept getting better and better. And, and, and it just kind of translated into the next year where it's like, okay, I need to prepare myself for, which was this year, need to prepare myself for Q school. That was my realistic pathway of getting back to my getting status. And um, anything in between was just really good prep work. Of course, I wanted to go out and play well. I mean, that's obviously what we want to do. Um, If I Monday didn't do an event, if I got hot, great. I'm just doing it earlier than I had planned. 
um, going and playing state opens where I needed to get a few rounds under my belt of consecutive days in a row. And like I said, just putting myself in final groups and really honing in my skills at, at that level before I could really make that jump and give myself confidence in my head that, you know, I'm not necessarily the same player I was, you know, back in um, 2018, 2017, whenever I first graduated and came out and played professionally. Um, I had to relearn who I was, what my game is, and get kind of back to the basics of, you know, Dylan Meyer golf and that strategic playing, confident swings. And um, I just kind of lost sight of that because I was chasing distance the wrong way. I mean, I was doing it through equipment, changing equipment, thinking that shafts were going to help and not getting in the gym. So I kind of did a full transformation of not just my, you know, my mind. I did it with my body, you know, gaining 30 pounds, um, adding, you know, nine mile an hour club head speed. And, you know, like I said, just kind of doing everything the right way, the professional way. And, you know, it's just kind of built up confidence in my head over the course of whatever, you know, two years now that I really stuck to it. So it's been quite the process, a little longer than I thought. But at the same time, it was kind of expected. You know, I don't picture myself doing anything else. You know, you sit there and think, you know, do I want a nine to five? Do I want to go be, you know, teaching at a driving range? And, you know, the answer every time was no. I feel like it would be, uh, you know, miserable. Granted, I love helping people. I do give lessons and we're giving lessons in between tournaments and Mondays and state opens. But that just wasn't who I was, and I, that was a part of my life I wasn't ready for yet. And, um, and that was just kind of my big thing of just sticking with it and wanting to figure out this problem of playing high-level professional golf and getting back to where I need to be and that the past necessarily doesn't matter. Does the two-year process, Dylan, I know you said it took longer than you thought, but I assume a large part of the, the struggle to get back is – mentally knowing that you're doing the right things physically, but just trusting that like, it's not going to happen overnight, adding nine miles of club speed, adding 30 pounds, all of those things take a long time. So I assume part of the, the like staying patient is like just understanding that this isn't going to happen overnight. Right. And, and you know, that was one of the things I learned whenever I first came out, I thought it was just instant gratification. I thought everything just happens, you know, instantly. And, you know, and I attribute that to, you know, that's just part of the generation I grew up in is everything has been accessible. If we want it, we get it now. Um, You know, we can Google answers. We can go do this, that, and the other thing. And I think patience has gone by the wayside a little bit. And I kind of recognize that. I Like, I had to do some self-reflecting and kind of find out why the inner demons were happening and what, why I wasn't achieving what I wanted to and, um in the fashion I wanted to do it and how quickly I want to do it. And that was really the determination I really came down to is just everything's just been right there and accessible. And I, it's been easy for me. Uh, And this was kind of one of the hardest parts of, you know, my career and my life is trying to play professional golf. And, you know, there, like I said, there's so many good players out here trying to do what I'm trying to do. And we're all trying to find one leg up. And I think the biggest thing for me was finding out who I was and staying in that present moment and finding out what that underlying thing could have been. And so working on my patience and being more deliberate in what I do, practicing more with a purpose, you know, that was one thing Coach Small always talked about when we were at Illinois. We always practiced with a purpose, but we always did it with a team. And I necessarily didn't know how to do that as an individual. And then you go to 
play on your own. You're you got to figure things out yourself. And you know, I, I've had numerous conversations with Coach Small, Coach Small about what what did he do in practices as the team that kind of targeted towards me and what made me tick and what got me going in the right direction. And he shared some of his thoughts, which which was great. And uh, and that's definitely helped shape me where I'm at right now. Um, but it definitely took some of my own soul searching to figure that part of it out. You had a great summer, Dylan. Won a ton on the minor league tour. Won some big uh, mini tour events. I mean, playing well. Does that – I mean, obviously that's nice going into Q school, but also I assume part of that is adding some internal pressure. Like it's a it's a two-and-a-half, three-week uh, – like you have to be playing well at the right time. And it's just a one-year wait. I mean, like that's the brutal part of Q school is it's a one-year wait. So because you were playing so good coming into Q school, you played great over the summer. Does that make – does is it a balance of like, hey, I know I'm playing great at the right time, but also I'm playing great at the right time. I really got to take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, that I've learned about myself once again is – yeah, I know that Q school and final stage is coming up, but I, I've played consistently well over a span of, you know, a year. I mean, even before the summer, I was playing well uh, last winter. And I, I mean, yeah, I've had some weeks where there's some lulls, but now my lulls are one under, you know, even, you know, mm-hmm. one over to two under. I mean, yes, granted, I did shoot six over the first round of second stage, which really put me behind the eight ball and kind of, you know, um, was a little bit of a shocker to me, but I knew that I had it in me. I mean, it was just one of those weird things where you did this to me two years ago. I mean, it's basically throw the towel in, like, what's going on? How is it? Why me? Why this? I just kind of stuck to who I was. Like, you know, the day's over. Like, that's done and, and completed. Just the same thing as, you know, the day after I got done losing in the playoff to Vince India at the um, Illinois Open. That next day, nobody cares. I finished, you know, and lost in a playoff. You know, it was a new day to go out there and get it because someone else is getting ready to go outwork me. And after finishing, you know, second stage, yeah, it was great. The final round, making the last putt to get in and get through. Um, so, yeah, enjoyed that night. But the next day I woke up, it was get into the gym. How am I going to get better? What do I need to practice on? What do I need to keep getting better at? So I don't necessarily think of it as more or added pressure. I mean, like I said, maybe a couple years ago it would have been for me because I felt like I really had to take a – take the opportunity and seize it. Whereas now it's, it's just going to be another week. And no matter what happens first round, you know, it's done. No matter if I go shoot six over or six under the second I get done with that, we're, we got to worry about day two because it doesn't matter what I just did. And we started zero. So uh, taking that mindset and being more into that present moment, rather than either thinking about the past or the future, I think that has really helped me throughout this past year. And I think it's really setting me up for final stage and where I want to be at for that tournament and also for 2024 and after. All right. Last question. How closely are you watching champions tour Q school uh, as your coaches is, is uh, in the field? I, you know, I, I like paying attention to it because it, you know, it puts it, uh, it's really good for us to see him out there competing I know whenever I was on the team, we always like seeing coach compete and play. And I know those guys can because it's a sense of respect of, you know, if you're going to badmouth coach, he's going to tell you, let's go tee it up. And you're afraid he's going to go shoot 63. So it, it's great always seeing him go out and play. And, you know, he still has dreams of playing at the highest level and making money like we are. Um, he just has a little bit different role now. And he gets 
he has, he's living the life, man. He has the golf coaching thing, and he also gets to play relaxing golf, even though he doesn't think it's relaxing golf, you know, because he's still grinding. But, you know, he's, you know, it's really impressive to see him keep doing it and chasing it, even though he's got, you know, a lot of responsibilities with our golf program. And, you know, but well, you go to Illinois, you understand the, the, the whole deal is coach is going to go play, you live with it, and you go play hard for him. So it's great that I've been paying attention to it. I keep refreshing everything. So. Awesome. Dylan, uh, for those listening, Dylan has been great about helping out foundation always asks, answers questions for me and appreciate his honesty about things like Eric Cole planning in minor league events. We've had off the record conversations and I just appreciate it. This is what has made this account. A thing is, is players like Dylan happy to see in final stage. All right, we're here with Wes Holman Jr. Wes, one of the two players to get from pre-Q to final stage. How's it feel? Uh, it feels like it was a long time ago when I started uh, pre-Q, but um, it's kind of a surprise I had to go to that too. But um, they call I signed up as a veteran member of Canada, and they said that wasn't good enough. Um, so they said, you got to start at pre-Q, and I was like, well, I was at uh, Sand Ridge um, up in Ohio, not far from me, and it's a great course. Played NCAAs there, so sounded like a good idea still, so I was excited to go. What brought you back, Wes? I mean, you've you chased it for a long time. You have a family now, uh, three kids, got a full-time job, don't play much. Obviously, yeah. it will probably change, but kind of just walk us through that process of, of even going to Q School. Um, yeah, so I obviously still love the game. Um, but the first go around, I played for almost 10 years full time, um, really had a trajectory that was kind of going where I wanted it to go and got had web status and European a little bit and played a, a decent amount on the PGA tour, but, um, I got the yips and, um, that was the year after my best year of golf, um, I got the yips and it was just hard and I couldn't play anymore. I could still go play. And if I hit it to 15 feet all day, I could still shoot 65. But if I hit it to five feet, um, you know, I shoot 74. So it really wasn't up to me the first go around and I didn't like the way that felt. Um, and I worked really hard. Uh, I met, I found a guy, on the internet named Eric Kaplan. Um, he'd worked, uh, he actually developed this putting system for people with Parkinson's cause his dad had Parkinson's. And, uh, we just did it all over zoom during COVID cause I still played enough that, you know, it was bothering me that I couldn't putt well. Uh, but I always hit it pretty well and I worked really hard on that and I got my putting back and, um, my ball striking is always pretty solid. So I started shooting the scores again and I just wanted to go. I know all these kids are so much better than uh, when I started playing golf. And um, so I just love competing and just wanted to see where I kind of fell. And, and now that I can putt again, if it didn't work out, I could kind of, I'll be 40 in February and I could shut the door on my own terms, not really 
like it did the first time. So. Is your intention, Wes, no matter what you finish at, at Q school to kind of give it a full, a full go. So let's say you finish below the top 40, you're going to go to Mondays. You have a, a great Monday Q record, so it wouldn't be completely out of the question, but kind of what are you fully in is the question. I mean, I know you're fully in, but or you just I, I it step. Yeah. When I like next week, I'm going to do as the best I can. And then after that, we'll see how it goes. But the way my life is now, I would, I would say it'd be pretty hard for me to play a uh, full schedule. Um, if I got full status, that would be a lot easier because I could pick and choose. If I got a PGA tour card, I think you get some extra money with that. Um, mm -hmm. That wasn't really in the docs, but I think you do. And that would be justifiable with my kids and stuff, but um, it would be, I don't see myself if I go and, not play well being at every Monday qualifier. Um, I think I'll do the ones that I like to do around here and maybe a few more because I don't have to do the pre-qualifiers. And um, that's really the big drag on. I, I can't go away for 10 days. So. Yeah. Uh, what has been your family's reaction? You're, you're like, I assume they're <laughs> cheering you. Your kids are like getting old enough that they can kind of understand what what's happening, at least a few of them. And yeah, they, um, my kids all swing it. And, uh, my seven year old is my oldest. She plays, she did the junior PGA and stuff. And that was a lot of my motivation. Um, uh, I was very lucky. Um, I did Monday into Knoxville, uh, this year and that was good just for, you know, competition, but I was very lucky. The uh, Murray family with Barbara Saul, Tom Murray, who passed away, and his son Daniel. Um, I played golf with them randomly a year ago, and Tom was like, "What are you doing? Like, you're really good." And I was like, "Well, I, you know, I'm doing what I got to do." Um, he's like, "Well, I want you to play next year," and uh, you're, you know, he he loves his family, and he's a very family-oriented man, and um, I think he knew how special that would be for my kids to actually see me play golf they're grown up and uh, a little bit they came out and that was a big deal for me uh, i see all my friends still that are on tour it makes me a little emotional uh but when those kids walk out on 18 and they win that that's my been my dream of my wife and kids my whole life um but even i missed the cut by one on friday and um my kids were waiting there and <laughs> My uh, six-year-old daughter still before bed asked me why I didn't make that putt. So, um, it's kind of <laughs> funny and um, different perspective than when I was really out there all by myself. Right? So. Um, what I mean, you have a full-time job. So yeah. what's kind of the next, uh, let's see, 10 days, may, maybe eight, eight days before you head down there? Um, um, it's going to be more focused on golf. Um, I did, I know we love my car dealership stuff and that's fun, but I did exit that, uh, a month ago. And, oh, you did? Uh, yeah. Oh, my nice. partner down there had uh, a family issue and I'm bummed. We had, we had a great team and it was a great business, but he has to kind of take over some of his family stuff and just didn't have uh, the time to totally commit. And, um, he's still going to run it a little bit as a, a 
side deal for himself, but our lease ended and, uh, kind of, it might've been a blessing, um, just with his family and everything else. So hopefully he can be a good, uh, son, father, and, and continue to run two businesses. But so I'm doing some other stuff, always kind of got my hands in some things, but so, but, uh, I, I'm really, that's, I think part of why I've played well recently is cause I don't, I don't care like I've had to in the past. And mm. you know, like, um, I think it's James Nicholas. Uh, he, he, a little bit of that attitude. Like he already has DP, you know, world tour and he played great last week. And uh, I know whether I play well or not, when I come back, things are going to be the same or a little better. So that's, that's what I have to play with. So. Do you feel like you can take that kind of, Wes to uh, final stage, like obviously you want to get on the PGA tour mm-hmm. as everyone does, but is it an advantage to kind of have the perspective of a family and something to fall back on? Do you feel like that gives you an advantage at, at final stage? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, people say <laughs> um, one of the, I'm a, I'm a dangerous man in the field. Cause I, cause of, cause of that, I, I really, I had a great time at second stage. The weather was awful. I had my buddy caddying for me. Um, we just had a lot more fun than everyone else did. It was uh, it was a good time, and you know, it didn't. I was playing well enough, and and if it didn't work out, I still feel great about I where I came out of the basement with my putting and everything else. So it's all upside, and uh, I definitely want to do well i'm competitive but um yeah i know i know how good these guys are and especially with the pga tour cards out there um you know there's a lot of guys that last year wouldn't be there but they're there because of those cards so be a great feeling wes wes and i have talked a lot over the last couple of years wes kind of has a monday q record that's not talked about enough the guy comes out of like half retirement and Monday queues about once a year. So uh, yes. it only plays a couple. So Wes, uh, you've been great to me and I appreciate it and pulling for you at final stage. Thanks for the time. Thank you.